This FPL season has definitely been go, go, go. A nonstop hustle all the time. Matches, deadlines, unexpected blank and double game weeks, on top of everything the real world has had in store. Sometimes you need a moment to turn off and hit reset. That's when you reach for Coors Light. It's made to chill. For me personally, supporting Fulham during this last year has been a true roller coaster ride. Honestly, when that Adama Traore goal flew past Areola in the 92nd minute of game week 31, the only thing that saved my mental state, the only thing that calmed my nerves, was cracking open a Coors Light. There's only one beer out there that's literally made to chill, and that's Coors Light. The mountains on the bottles and cans even turn blue when your beer is cold. That way, you always know when it's time to chill. When you need to hit reset, just open a Coors Light. It's mountain cold refreshment made to chill. And listen, everyone, summer is pretty much here. It's about to get hot in New York. An ice-cold Coors Light is such a perfect way for me to beat that summertime heat. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light and the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. And as always, celebrate. What up, listener? We wanted to take a second to thank you for listening to this Blue Wire podcast. Be sure to show your support to this pod by subscribing and dropping a five-star review on iTunes, a follow on Spotify, or the appropriate dap for any other platform you might be listening on. And if you're enjoying this show, chances are you'll like one of our 75 other sports podcasts. Find more shows you'll love at BlueWirePods.com. Thanks again for listening, and now back to your regularly scheduled podcast. Hey, all cheaters, and welcome to the Always Cheating Fantasy Podcast. My name is Josh. I'm here with Brandon. Brandon, how are you? I'm doing well, Josh. Thanks for asking. Kind of a weird situation here where uh, we've had the weekend off, but game week 24, it's still not finished. Mm-hmm. Uh, very, very kind of awkward timing to podcast. It is. And uh, very awkward if you had triple captain Sadio Mane, as I had. And uh, now the game week, it's like I went to the doctor and I'm waiting for the results to come back is basically. <laughs> yeah. uh, we'll see how bad yeah. it is after uh, next Wednesday. It's probably not going to be good, but I'm just waiting for that band-aid to get ripped off to, to mix yeah, my metaphors right, here you know right, it's really right, right. uh yeah it's just a weird one and kind of wish it was uh kind of wish it was over <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah wednesday seems so far away but we haven't uh, we haven't just been chilling out we've been busy in the meantime you mm-hmm. and i teamed up for a patreon exclusive pod on thursday night yeah. and you also appeared on the fantasy football hub podcast i did, How did that go uh, it was great. I really enjoyed it. Um, I, uh, I yeah, I, I, really, I thought all the guys were great on there, and uh, I made a I made a extended case for Trent Alexander Arnold that I ultimately did not follow. I went with uh, with Sadio Mane, and uh, boy, am I regretting it. But once you've made your decision and you're locked in, you just have to accept it and move on. And that's that's where I am. I am not holding on any hope that Mane is going to play. We're recording this on Sunday night. At this point, we have no idea what his status is, but it's safe to assume he will not play. Um, the only question I'm really considering is whether I have to burn a transfer to take him out or not. Um, and uh, that's something that we, I don't even want to speculate on because we just won't know until uh, after this podcast is recorded. I mean, there was nothing that came out of uh, today's match. 
crazy 2-2 draw, by the way, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> with Liverpool. Uh, so nothing, but there were no comments from Klopp. We need more press people to be dedicated fantasy managers. They can ask the <laughs> pertinent questions to Jurgen Klopp, like Sadio Mane, could he play on Wednesday? What is his percentage chance? Do you need to adjust the flag on the fantasy site? <laughs> right. uh, but yeah, I don't think it's going to happen. It's uh, yeah, I'm glad that we recorded on Thursday. By the way, we did our we, you, you and I did our kitchen table podcast together this week. We talked a lot about what we even try to do on this podcast. What 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 it's like when you triple captain a player and they go off with an injury in the 30th minute. And it was we just got it kind of all out of our system. And I think the one takeaway from it that um, I'll just repeat on this podcast is it was a reminder to me that. What this podcast hopefully does, to just any version of this podcast for patrons or the the, you know, the weekly one that we do, um, is it is a it is an accounting of what's going on in fantasy, and it's less a pure strategy, right, and more just us kind of hopefully being like the football weekly or totally football show of, of mm-hmm. fantasy, and so that means the highs and the lows and. Yeah, it doesn't get much lower than Mane uh, limping off the pitch in the 30th minute uh, with, I mean, I guess it could have gone even worse, right? I mean, you know, having trouble Captain Mane, you have Salah, and so, I mean, you have to be feeling pretty good about your chances uh, with, you know, with with the easier, the theoretically easier fixture to come on, on Wednesday. Yeah, the West Ham fixture feels uh, pretty good um, for Salah points, and I triple Captain Salah, and the blank... So, yeah, Mane goes off injured, and that creates a bigger opportunity for Salah captains out there. But then he proceeds to blank against Wolverhampton. But, yeah, we didn't really know what to expect from that match. West Ham, I am feeling pretty set up. Uh, at this point, I think I just have to be thankful for any sort of return that Salah yeah. is able to produce. I think you West said Ham if you got two goals, an assist, and three bonus points, you'd be okay with how this game week went, right? <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, you, you kind of have to shoot for the moon because where we are doing the, the game week 24 score check, I'm on 28 points. So it's not yeah. like I have a lot to build upon here. Right. I'm kind of starting from scratch going into this West Ham-Liverpool uh, match. So the more Salah can... Uh, can give to me the better i need it all totally i mean i'm on 32 points uh it's not much better and uh yeah just you know i I don't even want to do a whole score check thing because the the matches were played a few days ago when there's no point in talking about ings and cantwell and anthony marcial and if you want my extended thoughts on man united uh please uh (laughs) this is not even intended to be a long patreon push but if you if you want like a, like how long did I go on about Man United? Like eighteen minutes or so on the podcast. It was sure. I kept coming yeah. back to it. It's like it was like a, it was like an itch that I just couldn't like fully scratch, you know, until I like really anyway, I don't want to get too It uh, was it was amazing Oscar Award worthy one take uh, 18 minute long monologue just incredible stuff it's actually many monologues stitched together to look like one take so exactly yeah. we kind of got that off of our chest the theme of this week's podcast we're going to try and take a more positive spin we're going to try to look forward instead of looking at the mistakes that maybe some of us made looking backward right so kind of on the precipice of the home stretch right heading into mm-hmm. game week 25 we have that second half of the season wild card that now feels like it feels even more present than before. Mm-hmm. So with all of these shifting sands in mind and, and some people thinking about that wild card, you and I are going to look at our 
perfect 15 squads. I drew up a perfect 15 squad and you drew up your own perfect 15. And we're going to go from GK defense mid to forwards, right. who we would bring in if, uh, if we were say on wildcard hand, right. heading into I'm just going to say that I, I'm just going to say that I drew up a squad. Okay. I, the perfect makes me nervous. I think that, okay. uh, yeah, but it's a, it's a good, it's a good squad, Brandon. It's better than the squad I have right now. I'll say, I'll say I'm that just much. looking for some good yeah. marketing language here. Yeah, sure. So that's, that's true. What, yeah. That's, that's what's coming up, but we have a quick lightning round and then we will get into the game week 25, uh, fixtures at the end of the pod. But yeah. We mentioned the fantasy football hub podcast at the start. And, uh, I just want to thank them again for having Josh on Josh. You were fantastic. Oh, uh, and if if you want to check out the uh, Fantasy Football Hub podcast, do so. They also have a great site. And a big special thank you to our man, Eric Freeman, who stepped in as guest co-host with you last week, Josh, doing the Game Week 24 preview. Eric, just what a dude. Uh, follow him at Eric D. Freeman on Twitter. He's a special guy. Uh, yeah, it was great to have him on. He was a, he was a perfect guest host. And, uh, yeah, thank you again, Eric, for... Coming on the pod, uh, just one more bit of housekeeping. Our UK trip is booked. Uh, we uh, we mentioned it very briefly on last week's podcast, but I don't want to get too much into it without you there. But uh, just a heads up, we'll be there from March 5th through the 10th. Uh, fixtures were finally announced on Friday, so we're able to start planning things out a little bit. Uh, Thursday, we have some plans that we'll be able to announce uh, sooner. Uh, on Friday, we have a London uh, meetup and uh, we that that is location to be determined. We're still we're still working that out. We actually couldn't really plan that until we knew what day all the matches were. If there's a Friday night one, we wanted to to postpone it, but uh, there's no Friday match, so I think Friday is the perfect night for a meetup. Uh, Saturday we're looking at Arsenal West Ham. Uh, that's test to attend. Sunday we're attending the Manchester Derby, and that's actually a uh, we had a generous friend of ours who uh, helped us arrange tickets for that. Uh, and then Monday we're planning to go to Leicester for the Leicester Aston Villa match. So. Uh, yeah, lots of cool stuff. We'll uh, certainly be filling people in on the details as we get closer, but we're hoping that people, even people who aren't in London, might be able to uh, come to that meetup, and we'll try to give everyone uh, you know, advance as, as much of it as, as possible on where the location will be, um, where we'll be, um, all that stuff. Yeah. So um, more to come yeah. on that. If anyone has any great suggestions about good meetup locations where we can have a beer and meet a bunch of people somewhere right. in central London where uh, you find us on DM on Twitter, yeah. that's a great place to And we us. have to do some like cultural stuff this time, right? I feel like last, <laughs> yeah. last time we kind of neglected that completely. And I, I feel like I want to go back to like the National Portrait Gallery and look at all the boy kings on the like, you know, fourth floor and yes. uh, you can do whatever. British. Oh, we can do the British yeah. Museum together and look at some uh, – I don't know, some ancient weapons, and that could be, that could be fun. <laughs> ancient <laughs> weapons. I did see the Amy Winehouse uh, statue in, in the Camden Market last time, so I feel like that's that's plenty of uh, modern UK history. Culture. Yeah, yeah, exactly, modern history. And the uh, Always Treat Super League, uh, we're still mid-game week, and there's there's it's so volatile that we're not going to update that yet, but we will check in on social media. We'll post on uh, Facebook. You know what? We should post on Instagram, too. So we'll post on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram our top tens uh, for our uh, Super League and our Patreon League after uh, the matches conclude on Wednesday. Brandon, we have some patrons to thank, some new patrons just in the last few days. Can you please thank them for us? Absolutely. Big thanks to everyone who is supporting the Always Cheating Podcast. New Lord Sorloth patrons, Pranay Jane, Mark McDermott, Marius Berg, Dara O'Shea, 
Now, Dara O'Shea, if you are, in fact, a fullback for West Bromwich Albion, uh, let us know. That would be very cool. I actually did see some highlights of Dara playing in the FA Cup this weekend. Yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. Also, big thanks to Mimi and Benjamin Duke. And at the uh, Pookie patron level, uh, Andrea Scathoon and Jack Stewart. If you're interested in supporting what Josh and I do week to week on Always Cheating, find out more at patreon.com slash always cheating. You can get access to our Slack chat forum, an extra exclusive podcast every week, T-shirts and all sorts of cool swag. Um, Lots for you to check out there at patreon.com slash always cheating. Perfect. All right, Brandon, we're going to take a quick break. We're going to get back and talk about the players we would bring in if you and I were wild carding into Game Week 25. Is that something you're actually thinking about? Would you would you maybe do this? Is this like a possibility? Yes, absolutely. So uh, when we come back from the break and talk about this, I'm going to be tr- trying to sort of talk myself into and out of wild carding because okay. looking at the, the squad that I've drawn up, there are about 10 players that I don't currently have right. in my squad. So I could see it happening. Yeah. Wouldn't you prefer just to hold your transfer, though, Brandon, so that you have two transfers going to Game Week 26? Yes, I would. Yeah, that's of course, of you know me too well. <laughs> All right, that's a quick break. We'll be right back. All right, Brandon, we're back. Wild card time, maybe. Uh, today's theme is our perfect 15 squads, if we're wild carding. I, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll just talk to you about my my possible wild card team. I'm looking at a screenshot of it right now. I, I kind of love it, but... Uh, it's it's I have some interesting things to, to talk about. So we'll we'll, okay. we'll get to that in just a second. Uh, the questions though, let's just do a couple of table setting questions here, okay? But whether we actually should wild card. Uh, Ian Simpson says, is patience the watchword on potentially injured players for the time being, or should we not be scared to just go ahead and mix it up? Uh, FPL Lama says, Mane and Vardy is more than twenty two million with no news yet on their injuries. Is patience key, or is it time to move on? I sense a theme developing here, Brandon. Uh-huh. Shiva <laughs> FPL says, is wildcarding now a rash decision? February break could bring about some changes, especially after transfer, final transfer deadline day. All right. Yeah. So, yeah. Mane, we already mentioned, no new, no new news there. Vardy, as far as I've heard, is probably fine for this yeah. coming weekend. Yep. Yeah, Brendan Rogers said he definitely won't be set for this weekend that has just passed, the FA Cup weekend, in which it was just Ineacho up front who has scored the game-winning goal. But he's just got a little, he's got an injury to his butt muscle. It's just a butt. Yeah. And if I know Vardy, Vardy can play through butt pain. Yeah. Um, if he can play through any pain. It's so. interesting because it's, you know, uh, Todd Cantwell now has a glute injury as well. And, you know, 2019 was the year of the hamstring. So it was uh-huh. 2020, the year of the butt. I don't know. We'll, we'll soon find out. <laughs> yeah. yeah, two two butt injuries in a week, though. That's unusual. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah I, I, I think Vardy is, as we're saying, not a concern. Mane is the one where you're like, that is a lot of money sitting in my midfield. Right. What do I need to do to mix things up? Now, yes. to talk about patience is Mane is a lot of money, so you can just make a nice, meaty, one free transfer, bring in some exciting player like Riyad Mahrez or something like that. That's not exciting. That would be scary <laughs> sure, and depressing sure. probably. Yeah. So why why would we actually wildcard? Well, I think, I think patience is always a virtue with FPL, but I, I, I don't want to be afraid of all of these things that may happen. Like 
there honestly isn't going to be a lot of game changing news that's going to break the, you know, the last week of the January transfer window. I can't believe that there actually will be uh, that would impact the Premier League. Yeah, a bummer of a transfer window, Um, unless something happens with Man United finding a striker, possibly, um, which uh, looks like it's not going to happen. I don't know. I mean, sometimes these like, like, you know, big players go out on loan at the last minute, you know, if they're unhappy at their club or, um, you know, if a young, talented player has emerged and they want more minutes or whatever. So, um, yeah, but I, I, I agree with you. I don't, I don't see a need to wait until the January window closes, um, although that would be this game week. So th- there is theoretically time to change your wild card before um, the window closes. There's no Friday fixture this week. So um, you could yeah. keep, you know, keep tinkering and then make last minute changes um, as needed. Um yeah, I just I mean, feel like so yeah. many managers out there, you you think, oh, I have problems. I have problems with my team, but I'm not going to address them because there is so much I don't know or there are so many other things that I need to factor in. And I just think that we can overthink it in that regard. You, If you identify clear-cut problems with your squad right now, Go ahead and play your wild card. There are, I mean, we're gonna we're about to talk about blanks and double game weeks that may be coming up near the end of the season. You can transfer around those things if need be, and I just don't want you to leave points on the table just because you're sheepish or fearful about the unknown. Yeah, I mean, one of my maybe one of the seasons I'm I'm like proudest of was I actually think it might have been the first we did this podcast. Um, I was around. I was in the one millions somewhere um, right around this time three or four years ago, let's say four years ago. And uh, I just played an early wild card. It's not the optimal strategy, but I felt like I sort of all the things you're talking about right now. Um, and it, I, you know, jumped up, like I was like over a 1 million jump over the next few game weeks. And that is just, you know, there are there, if you need to make up a lot of ground, you can't wait until game week 35 or 36. You just won't be able to jump over enough people. Um, you know, you have to sort of, Take the risk that an early wild card will will bear fruit that can you know, that can help you for yeah. ten or eleven weeks, and then, and then ideally, I mean, you'll still have plenty of transfers, right? There's what fifteen more transfers available to you throughout the rest of the season, fourteen, yeah. whatever it is. Um, you know, plenty of opportunities to to just you know to build a uh, you know an optimal team for the double game weeks and, and things like that, and, and you know, in most cases, the Playing for the double game weeks can be slightly overrated because, um, you know, you often have those players in your squad already. Um, and so there, you don't actually have to burn as many transfers as you think you need to. And sometimes you can even, you know, bury some players in your bench who you're pretty confident will have a double game week later um, and sort of set yourself up in the short term and the long term. Uh, yeah. so yeah, I think that's, I, I think I'm, I think I'm with you there. I'm actually, I'm not planning to wild card myself yet just because I, I am having a reasonably okay season. The, um, yeah. Mane injury aside, I actually have two transfers going into game week 25 as well. So, um, the timing doesn't feel right. Although, um, I do have four players flagged in my team right now. And so that is definitely, um, a little bit of a concern. I mean, if there was negative injury news on Cantwell and Vardy and Mane, then, it would it would be approaching a point where I actually may have to at least consider you know a possible wild card. So yeah. it's hard to it get those words good. out of my mouth, Brandon. It's so <laughs> not ready. Right. It never feels good though to trigger a wild card when you have two free transfers. It's sort of like you um, I'm trying to think of an apt metaphor, but you know what I mean. So it's just sort of like leaving money on the table. 
So the the other question and the reason that I that that some would hesitate and you know in some ways I actually think it was almost simpler back when uh, when we when you and I first started playing the second half wild card could only be played in the month of January you had yeah. you know you had this four week window to use it and that was it and then that was you were done um, yeah. and in some ways that was kind of nice because it sort of forced you to change your team halfway through and yeah um, you didn't have to like kind of leave it to your, your own brain to decide when to do it, which can be too stressful sometimes. Um, and so Mark Bison says, or M. Bison, Mark at M. Bison says, can you explain as simply as possible what is coming up in terms of blanks and doubles and Boston process changes in form, such as Lester and some teams have an amazing fixtures coming up. Uh, it seems like an early wild card could reap benefits. If you do this, however, any tips on how you would plan around the blank game weeks, double game weeks with only bench boost and free hit chip plus the usual free transfers. So basically, Brandon, those questions are, if you wildcard right now or do the next couple of game weeks, we know that there are going to be some matches that get missed because of the FA Cup or other commitments. Uh, we also know that there's some matches, that some teams that will have two matches in one game week, you know, but we don't know when those will be yet. So right. given given all that ambiguity, is it is it too... You know, is is it a is it suboptimal? I guess to um, yeah. to to play an early wild card right now. And um, you know, what do you what have you sort of gathered? What what's your thinking on this? Well, what we know as a matter of fact is because of the EFL Cup, there are going to be two blank fixtures in game week twenty eight, and that will be the Man City Arsenal fixture. Um, assuming Man City beats. Manchester United in the semifinal of the EFL Cup. And then it's the other semifinal in the EFL Cup, which is Leicester versus Villa. So whoever wins that, they're also going to blank in game week 28. So we're looking at either we're looking at possibly City Arsenal blanking and then either Norwich Leicester or Aston Villa Sheffield United blanking in game week 28. The other blank that's going to result is because of the FA Cup and fixtures possibly having to be moved around because of teams drawing each other in the FA Cup fifth round. Right. And a reminder that draw for the fifth round, the FA Cup is happening Monday nights. We will know this information pretty quickly upon us posting this episode of the podcast. But that will probably be the biggest blank game week. And for those newbies who are new to FPL, a blank game week means that team is having their fixture from that week postponed. So mm-hmm. you have one fewer fixture to actually play with in that particular game week. Yep. Uh- that's about as in depth and and into chip talk as I think you and I are going to want to get on this. I, I just think uh, it's it's very hard in an audio format to really get too into this stuff. If you really want to look at the percentages of blanks and doubles that we may see later on, uh, Ben Krellen, who we've talked about many times in this podcast, is really um, kind of the go-to voice in this in this arena. And he's, he's on Twitter. He's at Ben Krellin, no spaces. Uh, that's C-R-E-L-L-I-N. Uh, and if you go there, there's a Google, I think he's got a pin. There's a Google spreadsheet that you can open up. And uh, boy, howdy, once you open that thing up, you will look at a, it's like, it's like getting a glimpse into what like, like a PhD <laughs> program at MIT would look like, and you're like, oh my god, well, this is too much data. How did I? It's like it's like a crazy amount of of numbers and stats, and uh, yeah, uh, you want to kind of run screaming, but it is useful to pop in there and uh, and just get a good sense of what the possibilities are. And honestly, I, to me, knowing this stuff doesn't dissuade me from wanting to play a wild card. If I was thinking about it, it would just make me be a little more cautious. And um, you know, for example, if it turns out that 
that we know for for a fact that you know Man City, Arsenal, and Leicester, for example, all will not play in game week twenty eighth, and I don't want to have seven players from those three teams in my squad, right? Because I know I'll just have to burn transfers to bring them out. So to me, it doesn't dissuade you. It's just it's just good planning. It gives you an idea of how, how you want your team to be balanced and to make sure that you're that you're ready for that. I mean, game week thirty one, as you were saying, is probably kind of the perfect game week to play your free hit chip if you still have it, um, because you know with only two or three teams playing. Well, I mean, two or three matches taking place that game. Maybe it'll be five or six total. We'll see. Um, it's just it's it can be really tricky to you know. And, and often those teams are not the best teams because those those are those are teams that have not advanced in the FA Cup. So it's a lot of kind of bottom half of the table teams that typically play. So ideally, you don't really want to be burning a lot of transfers to bring in players for that game week. You want to just have a temporary team that you can kind of put out there, right. uh, which is what the free hit chip enables you to do. So, yeah, um, I, I, I would agree with that. And the thing I would just say is it's, it's what we saw with a lot of teams kind of crashing and burning in this big double game week 24, where all of our best laid plans with Sadio Mane and double Liverpool defense, you know, it's, it's, Sometimes it's good just to try and focus on what's immediately in front of you and not get too waylaid by this long-term planning and the big double game winks that are yet to sort of take shape that will happen at the end of the season. I think we can nav- – I have confidence if I wildcard in a game week 25, I'll be able to navigate there with my free transfers and a few strategic points hits. So that's yeah. where I'm at. And, and yeah, I think we're – uh, we're meeting at the same point here, Josh, of like, we can't just get too bogged down in all these details of blanks and doubles because it's just distracting you from what 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 the best team is that you should have going forward, which would lead us to this discussion of our perfect 15 starting right. now, heading into game week 25. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I, I think... Uh, Honestly, I mean, the, there are a lot of people who spend a lot of time planning this, and, and it does not always translate into into fantasy points. Um, you know, it, sometimes it's a uh, sometimes it can be a little bit of a trap to 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 try to play perfectly. You know, to try to sort of play everything just right. Sometimes you just have to kind of. Uh, be a little more instinctive in terms of what the kind of team you're putting together and hope that you can, as you said, Brandon, kind of navigate the, um, you know, Scylla and Charbidus of the final 13 game weeks of the season. Where'd you dig that one up out of? I don't know. I don't know if I is that a master and commander reference? No, that is that is the Odyssey. But um, I'm not entirely clear if I pronounce those correctly. So uh, (laughs) let's move on to uh, to our picks. Goalkeepers. Brandon, uh, you go first. Uh, Hugo says it's worth having 0.5 uh, million on a bench goalkeeper such as McCarthy if you're willing to play Henderson every game. So it's worth having a backup keeper. Yeah, it's funny that Hugo posed this question because in my perfect 15 pick, and I'm going to stop using that word perfect for reasons that you cited earlier, Josh, um, I have both McCarthy and Henderson. Now, McCarthy at Southampton, he's a bargain. Uh, he because Angus Gunn played the first half of the season for Southampton, McCarthy dropped tremendously in value. He's at four point four right now, and he's started like he is the number one for Southampton right now. Given Southampton's form, McCarthy is never going to lose that spot. So I just think he's he's too good to pass up at four point four, and then Henderson at five point oh. Sheffield United just have this incredible upcoming run of fixtures, and you would think, given their 
play style that they've exhibited, there will be clean sheets to be had. Now, why would you waste if if Sheffield United's fixture run is so great coming up? Why not just plan to start Henderson every every uh, game week and then have a 4.0 dirt bag on the bench and not McCarthy? Well, if I'm playing the last wild card that I have, uh I'm not going to want to then expend the rest of your a, life. Do you think, or do you think you'll uh, yeah, maybe the rest of my life? Yeah. Um, I'm thinking about one thing right here and it's the bench boost chip. Yeah. And if I, if I have a starting mm-hmm. GK on the bench, then I know I've got that sorted. Yeah. It's mm-hmm. like, there's a, there's a line in fight club where Ed Norton's character, he buys this couch from pottery barn and he says, you know, no matter what happens in my life every day, at least I know I've got that couch thing taken care of. It's just like one less thing you have to think about. I feel like you frame that like he's the hero. Like that's a heroic thing that he says. <laughs> yes, exactly. Yeah, see, definitely, he's he's my hero in in, in some weird way. Yeah, I, I think that's a I think that's a good question. And uh, by the way, it's uh, it's Charybdis, not uh, not Charbidish, Brent. I forgot that the uh, Greek it's a hard C, like a K kind of. Sound, oh, you so. forgot? Did you? I I did not forget. I, I googled it, um, but I could. I, I kind of knew. That. Okay. Anyway, so okay. I, um, I, I you're actually right to think about the bench boost. I hadn't thought about that. It's an interesting question whether uh, if you're wild carding early, is having an extra 0.6 million or whatever for the, like 13 weeks uh, worth um, not having to burn a transfer on the player later. Or is it better yeah. just to bring in that player later and have that extra 0.5 million or 0.6 million for the next 13 weeks? And I don't know. Kind of, I guess it kind of depends on the team you put together in your wild card. But um, I think there's an argument either way. Um, I guess in theory, if you had two good keepers, you can also you also could rotate them and try to and try to do it correctly. Although. Um, you know, with with Pope, I mean, I've played Matt Ryan over Pope the last two game weeks, and uh, it's cost me twenty points. So um, I'm sort of coming around to this idea that you just kind of set and forget your keeper. And so for me, I actually my goalkeepers. If I were wildcarding, I would probably keep Pope, and I would have uh, Button as my backup keeper at three point nine million, and I would just play Pope through everything. Um, Partially for me, that's because um, I did buy Pope at 4.5, so um, I've still got him at that base price. I just think Henderson at 5 million, that feels like a lot. And I feel like if I were going to bring in um, Sheffield United players, I would rather have two of their defenders um, because their defenders are really players that can get points for you two ways. Um, you know, they're really capable of, uh, of uh, you know, being big time attackers as well. Though the price is getting kind of high. I guess that's the one concern yeah. there. Although I think the Henderson's yeah. price is high too. So it's, you know. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's good in theory and that we could actually just transition into our defensive picks because I think a lot of the goalkeeper selection that you'll think about will also play off of your defensive selection because Henderson is good because then you can double up on Sheffield United defense because I agree Somebody like Baldock or if Lundstrom can, is able to actually keep his place on the pitch, um, these attacking returns are great. But uh, they are they're, – they're kind of getting expensive. And then who am I going to get instead of Henderson and goal? My next choice would be Guaita, but he's 5.1 right now. He's even more expensive. And I think there's a way to resolve that Crystal Palace coverage with somebody like Martin Kelly – 
uh, in the defense. So it's kind of like they go hand in hand, the defense and their goalkeepers. So if I'm looking at my defenders, I do actually bring in a Crystal Palace defender. And this was this Palace defender is actually a result of the rest of the squad where I started with Martin Kelly at uh, 4.4. I think he is now. Mm -hmm. And that's a good price, obviously, for a starting Palace defender. But I actually like James Tompkins a lot better. I think he's just more of a attacking threat on corner kicks and just more solid defender in general. 5.0 I can actually afford him like there was there was no move there was no player that was prevented by me taking Tompkins over Martin Kelly so I've got Tompkins in the defense Les, Jamal Lascelles the Newcastle defender he's a player that you and I talked a lot about on our Patreon podcast on mm-hmm. Thursday and then uh Baldock from Sheffield United and here I feel like the strategy is to go double Liverpool there are a lot of real cheap options in defense, as evidenced by Lascelles. Uh, and we could talk about Watford, too. But Alexander-Arnold is just not going anywhere. And then Van Dyke at 6.5. Um, I feel like on wild card, that's a, no, that's a no-brainer to me. Yeah, it's interesting. You know, I would, I would actually – same thing for me. I would have two uh, – I would have two Liverpool players. Um, I would have – uh, I would have Van Dyke and Trent Alexander-Arnold, and then I would have uh, Stevens. Uh, I'd actually have Stevens two ways, Brandon. I would have uh, <laughs> Stevens from Stevens from Southampton, Stephen Ph, and then I would have Stevens from uh, uh, from Sheffield as well, uh, Enda Stevens, uh, who is not actually matched his goal production from last season yet but uh i can't tell any of these sheffield united defenders apart and uh <laughs> so i'm just going to go with the one whose ownership is the lowest uh it's interesting actually he's at five point they're all like 5.1 million right now basically all the attacking um you know the rampaging center backs and um they're all capable of of having some some goal threat i mean i, I think you know the we talked about this on the patreon pod a little bit but you know lundstrom is is suspiciously absent for both of our teams um and the, the reality is it's very nerve-wracking right now it looks like he may have lost a spot uh to besage and besage scored on the weekend and this was long predicted that this would happen this was predicted going into game week one which is why i didn't have lundstrom in my game week one squad uh and lundstrom's form is so good at the start of the season that it actually took 24 weeks for him to finally lose that spot and uh you know i think he might really struggle to get it back down yeah let's talk about newcastle real quick in the lascelles pick home norwich in game week 25 followed by arsenal and then this incredible run palace burnley southampton sheffield united aston villa and you know you've been highlighting this on the hail tutors twitter account of like what what actually is going on there with steve bruce and newcastle this like mid to late season form for Newcastle is really notable. You know, we thought they were going to be done in by all of these injuries that they were experiencing, but they kind of look as solid as ever. And now LaSalle's just recently back as captain. And uh, again, like James, Tom- James Tompkins, somebody that could be picked out on set pieces. So I think Newcastle definitely has to be in our thoughts and, the the downgrade on price after LaSalle's injury dropping all the way down to 4.2 is just exceptional value. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I completely agree. And uh, so that's that's why he's in both of our both of our defensive squads. Um, 
Yeah, it's I mean it's interesting because I mean the, the nice thing about this setup is you would basically and I briefly considered having two uh Sheffield United defenders, but I just didn't know when I would really realistically play them given the way the rest of my team was was shaping up. Um and so because I feel like Van Dyke and Trent, I'm just gonna start them every single match. Yeah. Right. Even even away to Man City in game week thirty one or whatever it is, I'd probably start both of them in that case as well. So if I'm gonna start them every single match, then I'm really just looking for one defender that I can kind of shift in and out. And that makes uh um, Southampton, Stevens, and Lascelles particularly appealing because one is four point four million, one is four point two, but they're also both pretty locked in starters when healthy. So, uh, and then and then I think having a Sheffield United defender is just a good strategy. I mean, it actually argues for a possible four man backline at least at times, um, you know, throughout the rest of the season. Yeah, I've left myself with a little bit of a difficult rotation here if I've got Trenton VVD. And Tompkins and Baldock also both at five or higher. It does seem like. I do have a lot of money back there. So maybe I have to go back and revisit the the Crystal Palace situation in my back line. Um, you know, Wat- Watford had been exhibiting pretty decent defensive form. But if you look at their upcoming fixture run, uh, let's see, who do they have? They've got uh, Everton, Brighton, Manchester United, Liverpool, Palace. I don't know. Do you think they keep it up, Watford? Um. No, just off I, the dome. No, yeah, I don't think I so. Either. Don't. I mean, they were terrible for so long. I, mean, I don't know. I mean, they they always. I I guess I don't know. I mean, I, I keep saying I don't know, and then I try to give like some random answer, but I I genuinely don't. I don't have a great beat on this team because it was it really just a matter of bringing in some like old school British hard ass and just like yeah. <laughs> just like snapping them into shape, and that was all it took. Um, you know, the, the, they were, they were actually secretly really good the whole time and they just didn't have the right person in play. It just feels kind of, um, like too easy or something, you know? So I, yeah. I don't know. I'm a little on the fence about whether I think that's really a long-term answer or not, or, long, or I mean a long-term, you know, team worth, worth sure. considering. All right, Josh, let's jump to our midfield. Who okay. are your five midfielders of choice? All right. Um, kind of tricky. A uh, little bit here. And so the players that I have right now, um, really tricky because we don't know where we are with Sadio Mane. But I am assuming that he is actually going to be out for 15 weeks. I've decided, assuming decided the that worst. he's out. Yeah, I'm assuming the worst. He's out for the season, um, which doesn't seem to be the case. But just, just you know, for the sake of this this fake wildcard team putting together, I have Mo Salah. I think that's like a, if 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 Mane is injured, I th- injured. I think Salah's you know rock rock solid addition. They have great fixtures coming up. You need at least one attacking Liverpool player. Um, I'm holding on to Kevin De Bruyne. Uh, I still think he's. Uh, um, I just he's he's very consistent value. Um, whether you know maybe he hasn't been quite as consistent over the last few game weeks as you would like, but uh, I think we saw it in the Sheffield United match. I mean, he's just like you know as long as. As long, especially when Aguero is playing more consistently, it's just having him, having a, like somebody there who he can send these perfect crosses to. Um, you know, who is just not going to miss as often as Gabriel Jesus does. I think uh, you know, I feel very good about having him there. You know, seven goals, seventeen assists in the season. I mean, that's just incredible for for only being twenty four weeks in. Um, so I've got uh, Sal and De Bruyne, and then I've got uh, a bunch of cheapies. Actually, I have I'm I'm holding on to Jack Grealish for now. Uh, I'm bringing in Traore, who I'm very convinced by. Um, still only 18% owned, uh, up to 5.8 million, 100 points in the season. 
Um, and it just looks so incredibly threatening, so dangerous in, in all matches. And uh, and then I'm holding on to Tom Cantwell because I just think he's even even with this possible injury, I think he's just great value um, in that um, in that fifth midfielder slot. So uh, just to repeat, Sala, De Bruyne, Grealish, Troyore, Cantwell. Would love to fit in um, Sun if I could, but I can't, so I won't. <laughs> wow, I'm actually surprised you didn't go for John Fleck here because John Fleck has been somebody that's um, yeah. come up in conversation of late, and I've, uh, I figured, pick. yeah, he is a fun pick, and um, maybe down the line, <laughs> maybe down the line. I don't know. Sheffield United's fixtures coming up are great, so I, I also went for Sala, De Bruyne, and Grealish. The value for Grealish, I think, is is still great. Yeah. And then uh, he would John be a player who's on the cut line for me, as much as I like him, just because there's a little concern about whether anyone can really score um, outside of him. You know, like, is it just giving a bunch of kind of fluky defender goals like we saw at midweek, you know, but but I'm keeping him for now. Yeah, midfield is a real issue when I've looking at restructuring my team or bringing in new players and getting the double Liverpool defense and put, pushing a lot of money into my defense. And it made it really tricky to stretch to somebody like Mahrez or stretch to somebody like Son, which left me with, you know, Sala De Bruyne and then Cheapos. I went for Grealish, John Fleck, and Iosi Perez. And Perez, of all these guys, is the one that. Um, I would probably prefer to swap in for somebody else. Maybe it's Adama Traore. Uh, I would really like that Perez position, though, to be filled by somebody like Deli Ali or Son or yeah. Mares. And I, I just don't see how I could stretch. And that's what, kind of what I was saying with a guy like James Tompkins at 5.0. Downgrading him doesn't help me at all in getting Perez to somebody else. Downgrading Tompkins and downgrading Grealish also doesn't help me get that 6.1 Perez to somebody else. And then we can, you know, it. it's also funding a premium striker up top that we could touch upon. But Perez, I think just as a punt, we have saw him at Newcastle very much a late season player. And, you know, we've seen him step up in Vardy's absence the last week or so. And um, I think I think we could see him do more. Uh, late in the season for for Leicester, so I feel like I don't have enough money in the midfield right now. Uh, but uh, those are my picks. Well, I, I mean, I think they I, Perez is a good pick. I, I actually was I'm surprised to hear you say that because that isn't a player I had really considered. Although I, I suppose I should. I mean, it kind of feels like Grealish has Perez's spot, you know, and it's like one or the other um, in a weird way. You know, that kind of I don't know. It's like something about like. I sort of like the when I think about my midfield, and maybe this is a little old school of me, but I still have this kind of idea of this kind of descending order of value, you know, where it's like, like or like trustworthiness or something, you know, where it's like one or two really expensive players, and then one one player that's kind of in the like six point five to seven point five million range, and then one player who's like five to six million, and then one player is like four point five. You know, and so it's like when I think about it, it's like I'm like, all right, I got Salon De Bruyne and then I've got Grealish and then I've got, you know, Fleck or whomever that, you know, turns into um, or, or Troy or he's, you know, 5.8 million is pretty cheap as well. Uh, and then I have Cantwell. And so I don't know. Does that make any sense to you? Like it's it's like a, it's yeah. like a structure question for me, you know, where it's like it feels like yep. my team is imbalanced if I have too much 
too much money in that like kind of fourth midfielder spot. Totally. I, that makes total sense, but yeah, it does feel weird. If I look now, I'm looking at the cheapest player in my midfield here is John Fleck. And how many times is your fifth midfielder, somebody that's 5.0 or above it's, it's rather rare. I think it does take on a slightly different shape later in the season when you have a lot of team value to play around with. And I think that's part of the reason why I am stuck like halfway between, uh, like a, a premium and semi-premium midfielder in some instances because I have like more cash than I started with, but not quite enough cash to to fully change the budgetary dynamic of my squad. But I I do hear what you're saying. Yeah, Kevin Ryan does note that uh, Fleck and Cantwell do rotate really well too. So uh, maybe that's uh, something to consider. Actually, for me, as I'm sort of thinking about this, I'm like, you know, if I were to, if I were to wild card this week. If I went from if I instead of Troyer I had Fleck, that would actually give me enough money to have Aguero in my in my forward line. Which spoiler alert, I don't. And so if I were to consider that, um, that would be one easy way to do that. And then I could rotate Cantwell and, and Fleck. It depends on that Cantwell glute, doesn't it, Brian? A lot hinges on that <laughs> glute. <laughs> the world watches Todd's butts. It's true. All right, so yeah, I, I I think the we're we're pretty settled on De Bruyne and Mo Salah, certainly with Mane's uh, presumed absence for the next month or so with that hamstring. Salah is kind of a slam dunk. I would not want to go without a heavy Liverpool attacking hitter if if I could get away with it. I mean, is there any part of you that would consider a Liverpool defensive triple up? Maybe go Robertson, VVD, and Trent in the back, and then you could no, I just actually don't like free that. yourself up to play with somebody like Son and not Deli Ali and another but, City player? I just feel like I wouldn't enjoy a, a game week the rest of the season if I didn't have a Mane or a Salah in my team, you know? Yeah. Right. Um, they're they're so good, and they're also really captainable, and so I think that that's part of it too. Is that they just they solve that captain dilemma so many game weeks. Definitely, so, yeah, yeah. All right, I will run through my forward picks here, and it's uh, Jimenez who I transferred out for. Who did I transfer? Um, who did I bring in? Greenwood. Did, oh yeah, Mason Greenwood. It all made sense. It all made perfect sense. <laughs> yeah. Jimenez is just the sort of guy where he's just going to tick along, and I miss him dearly now, and I want him back. So Jimenez is coming back. Danny Ings is here to stay. We discussed Southampton's fixture run is is pretty phenomenal after Liverpool in game week 25. Now, you could talk about the emotional matchup of Danny Ings going to Liverpool where he was there for a few years and it, it didn't quite click for him. He would certainly want to prove to that club that he's he's still worth what they paid for him. Then it opens up a lot for Southampton with Burnley, Villa, two home matches in a row, West Ham, Newcastle, Norwich, and Arsenal in game week 31. So Ings, he, he failed to score in the FA Cup over the weekend, but he had lots of chances. He still looks fit and good. And then the big differential, the one that serves to help me climb the ranks would be Aubameyang, who is back from red card suspension mm-hmm. going into game week 25. And Arsenal's fixtures, Burnley, Newcastle, Everton in the next three before they hit City in game week 28. Then the fixtures uh, go pretty easy again for them in game week 29. When will be at the Emirates, Josh, presumably, uh, for that home West Ham fixture? I could see myself captaining Pierre Emmerich 
uh, that game week, which would be a lot of fun. So, you know, there are a few different ways to go here. Would you be tempted at all by, by Sergio Aguero? We have a couple of questions about Aguero. Um, Gareth Owen says, big up front. Given the lack of avail- availability in current form of strikers, and Aguero plus Aubameyang plus Ings forward three is feeling good. Certainly comes at the expense of bench depth and mid options. Keith James says, is Aguero worth it or still too much of a rotation ri- risk given he didn't play a minute in the Fulham FA Cup match? Will Pep keep Kuhn in the league and Jesus for the Cups? So tell us who your front three picks are, Josh, and then what you think about going yeah. big up top. So right now, actually, uh, I I would have Vardy, um, I would have Ings, and I would have um, Jimenez. Uh, and Vardy, I'm just, I still think he's tremendous value, and I just think there's there's something kind of fluky about the first two game weeks this season that I've just sort of made it really hard to assess him. I think and and really. You know, see, he misses a couple. He misses one game because of the birth of his child. He misses one because of a minor calf injury. Um, it seems like he's he's back again, right? Gets an assist in a, in a match, and uh, it looks looks pretty dangerous in that match. Looked pretty dangerous in the first leg of the League Cup semifinal, um, and then has a penalty. And if he scores that penalty. We're probably all thinking about him differently, right? You know, he's on eight, 18 goals in the season. He's got a nine-pointer coming out of that match. Um, as it is, it's a big fat zero on his on his record the last few game weeks. Um, and then, uh, you know, obviously comes off injured in the West Ham match. And uh, so... I don't know. I, yeah. I feel like Vardy is a striker that he is dependent on the form of the rest of his team because... He's right. just not creating his own shots with the ball at his feet. He requires service. And yeah, even if he does score that penalty, I think you still have the I would still have the same questions about Vardy because my questions about Vardy are more about what's going on at Leicester City. Now I just did put Iosi Perez in my midfield, but there is concern about this down this down tooling that might be happening at Leicester. Their defense is looking Quite what a is down bit tooling. less down tooling. They're downing tools. They're they're looking. They're not looking as good as they once. What does were, that mean, Joshua? though? What does that mean to down tools? Uh, I don't know. I could look it up. <laughs> no, I'm just like I, what? Like it's like you're, you're like it just means like you've lost your form a little bit or something, right? To refuse to continue working, especially because you're not satisfied with your pay or working conditions. The oh, wow. printers threaten to down tools. Maybe you just like it's like laying your tools on the on the wow. factory floor and not using them. So they have problems with their ownership. We don't, you know, it's, <laughs> we need a good reporter in Leicester. You know, Brian, we're going to be going there in a few weeks and go on a fact finding mission and see see if tools truly have been downed or not. Yes, it's it's, it's conspiracies are afoot there at the King Power. Um, I hear what you're saying about yeah. Vardy. I, I, you know, I honestly. I mean, obviously, we're just kind of playing a game here, and we're <laughs> in general, but also in this in this particular podcast. Um, but I, I I think that there is it's really hard. There's so much hinging on the next several days, and I think that we'll see if Vardy starts and plays in midweek um, away to Aston Villa. I mean, it was encouraging that Leicester did win four one um, ultimately in that West Ham match. I think all four of the goals did come though after Vardy was. Uh, did leave the pitch, but still, still good for anyone who has Vardy, assuming that he's healthy. That seems like maybe they've turned their 
turn things around a little bit. You know, I think um, where we are with with Liverpool, we'll know a little more in, in midweek as well. Um, so, yeah, and, he, and even Aguero for that matter. I mean, if he starts and plays 90 minutes, does that I, – I think he's probably very likely to start the next two matches. But I don't know how you can re- like even pretend to to know what – the form like what the lineups are going to look like right now for man city because they're kind of all over the place and i think the real issue here is one, one is that he isn't playing game week 28 um and um and i also think that yeah the real issue is there, there are a couple i mean obviously there's multiple issues but one of the big issues is that man city are not going to win the league this year that looks almost certain and at some point, does the Champions League, which will be kicking off again in just a few weeks here, does the Champions League take precedent? And does that make Aguero even more of a risk? You know, so like, is it does is it does it turn out that Aguero is the Champions League player and Jesus is the Premier League player, or you know, Aguero plays difficult away matches and Jesus plays the easy home matches. You know, I don't know. It's like is it, the fact that I'm even like worrying yeah, about this stuff no. is enough yeah. to make me kind of panic <laughs> about having Aguero because he, he costs yeah. 12 million. So to bring him in, you're going to have to like downgrade at several positions, you know, in your team. Yeah. And I think that does bring us back to Aubameyang. If you're looking for a premium striker, the appeal there and I mean, City's run of fixtures coming up is like if you sort by the difficulty of the run over the next seven game weeks, City is at the bottom of the table. Mm-hmm. Spurs, West Ham, Leicester, Arsenal, Manchester United, Burnley, Chelsea. Now, just like saying those team names, I'm like, well, it doesn't sound that bad. But by comparison, uh, it's going to be very, very tricky. And the rotation is, I agree, completely unpredictable. The one team that we have not talked about at all is Burnley and Burnley, I believe is the one team that is guaranteed not to blank at all for the rest of the season. Jeremiah Johnson asked Chris Wood, he and Burnley are in form. Chris Wood costs 6.2 million. He's on penalties. Barnes is out uh, injured. They have a great uh, fixture run coming up and there is a mere 1.2 ownership. Chris Wood will be in everyone's upcoming free hit team. I'm guessing. And in yeah. no one's actual team. <laughs> it's a good pick. I mean, we probably don't talk about players like Chris Wood often enough, just as kind of a, you know, he's been surpassed by Ings and, the, you know, they're, I suppose um, Jimenez as well, though Jimenez is obviously uh, having an even better season. But I mean, 10 goals already for Wood, and he's down 0.3 million from his starting price, and 1, 1% of managers in the game own him. I mean, it's, there's something to recommend him if you wanted to be a little off the beaten path. You know, it doesn't cost that much, and um, you know, and, and as you were saying, a pretty good run of fixtures. So, uh, but I guess you know the answer is I won't have him because <laughs> I don't really, I just don't really love this Burnley team. I don't really want to be loaded up on players from outside of maybe Pope, who I would probably hold on to. Yeah. All right. Well, those uh, those are our 15 man squads for better or worse. I. I feel like after this discussion, I'm sort of bending away from playing my wild card. I'll be talking about blanks and doubles, talking about injuries specifically to Jamie Vardy. There are a lot of unknowns right now. I think if you're currently on wild card, there is so much upside. Genuinely a lot of upside. But I, I feel like if you're on the fence... Yeah, I think we're at that point where it feels like one more week of information might do you a world of good. Yeah, I, I feel the same way because I just 
I, I don't really like the wild card when I don't really feel confident in the team I would put together out of a wild card. You know, it's like I, I feel like the team I put together the wild card, especially at the more expensive premium spots, that feels really unresolved. And especially with the Vardy and Mane injuries, which really throw things off. I mean, if, if those players are both fine, then the urge to wild card goes away almost completely for me um, because it just doesn't feel necessary at all. Um, if they're both injured, that's a different story. And so I guess we'll, we'll maybe know more hopefully in the next you know few days. Yeah. Maybe a different way to say it is you would you'd probably feel confident in the team you put together. You would feel less confident in the team that you were giving up was worth giving up. Right? Yeah, I guess that, yeah, you're right. Like, it's not like I just hate my team so much that I just need to start over. And yeah. uh, I'm not sure. Do you feel that way about your team right now? No. I mean, you just... Uh, the the 15 guys that I just ran through, 10 of them are different than who I currently have in my squad. So does that mean that, well, the 10, go- 10 guys that I got rid of like are worthless and I hate them? Right. No, that's not true. And I have to keep that in mind. It's not – you start toying around with these potential wild cards and it's like all these pretty new things that you want to have and – you know, take a step back and look at what you currently have. And yeah. maybe it's okay just for the short term. Yeah, maybe look back to your frustration. I mean, you know, going to this game week, I mean, to get two points from Sonyochu, two points from Anthony Martial, you know, Ings getting benched, one point from Vardy, one point from Grealish. Um, even Brandon Williams, who I kind of brought in for this fixture, gets one point. And just kind of, you know, I, I ended up subbing Cantwell in for, for Ings at the last minute because it leaked out that Ings was going to get benched. And I got one point from him. And so... I feel like in a different game week, I'm feeling great about my team. Um, you know, in a, in, a, in a game like you know, a, you play these home fixtures ten times, and there's a good chance that they get you know much. You know, their returns are significantly different. So, um, you know, I think that um, yeah, don't wild card out of like rage. <laughs> I guess right. would be a good a good like yeah. rule of thumb. You know, so yeah. Okay, well, let's take a quick break. We're kind of come back with a very short one question lightning round, and then we'll <laughs> preview these these game week twenty five fixtures. All right. All right, Baron, we're back. As you mentioned, one question lightning round. Rushi says, "Is it true that players from teams fighting for relegation are ideal to own at this stage of the game, or should we wait a few more game weeks?" Talking about the likes of Newcastle, etc. Well, it's a great question. Is Newcastle fighting for relegate uh, uh, to mm-hmm. escape relegation at this point? It feels like they're kind of reaching into <laughs> mid-table. But, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I do take your point, Russia, and I think it's a really good question to talk about. And, you know, there was, uh, was it two seasons ago where Pascal Gross was sort of single-handedly helping to keep Brighton out of relegation and he certainly helped me a few game weeks later in the season. I feel like we're still a month removed from that madness of relegation where teams really do have to get it into gear. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm just thinking about the question itself and whether, I mean, I guess the question is, yeah, do, I mean, it does feel like, and I'm sure this, this could be proven if we'd look back at the, numbers a little bit read or read more about it but it you know it does feel like it is true that teams that are fighting to stay up will pull off kind of crazy unpredictable wins you know like a massive 
victories at home. Was it Huddersfield that beat Man United late last season? You know, it's like these like kind of fluky one-off matches when teams have everything to go for. But I I don't know that that translates into into like predictable fantasy results. I mean, the only the the, the one counter that I can think of right now is Leicester. You know, the year before they won the title, where they were just you know they were committed to one nilling their way to um staying right. up that season and um, that's what yeah. I, that's exactly what i was thinking of is if you could predict anything from relegation scraps is that the teams that are going to survive are the ones that really know how to close up shop and you look at what nigel pearson did speaking of that leicester city team what pearson did the moment he arrived at watford was he was like okay we're not letting goals in anymore. I don't care yeah. what happens up the pitch, right. but in front of our goal, we're not going to let goals in. So I think if you're looking at investments to make in these relegation scrapping teams, their cheap defenders like LaSalle's and like Watford's defense are a great place to go spend your money. Yeah, I, it's just interesting looking at the table right now. I mean, I, I think I'm with you on Watford. Um, everyone else, though, I, I, I don't think I would trust their defense. I mean, Norwich City, Bournemouth, West Ham, Aston Villa, Brighton. Um, you have to get up to Newcastle in 14th place before I find another team that I actually would consider, uh, you know, both of us are on the LaSalle's train right now, would, would consider having players for. Um, I mean, I don't. do you trust Brighton's defense even? I mean, I feel like... yeah. Yeah, well, yeah, a, I guess yeah. that that's the other side of the argument is the teams that stay up are the ones that are able to shut their defense or are able to actually play defense. But the reason these play these teams are in that position to begin with is because they can't. So who are going to be the ones that fix themselves? And we don't yeah. really know just yet. It feels like Aston Villa have been have played well enough at home this season that they seem like the candidate, especially like someone like Matt Target, feels like he might be the one cheap defender I would consider on one of these relegation strugglers. Um, it's got a, you know, kind of gets you points two ways, right? It picked up an assist and bonus points um, uh, last week in, the, in their midweek match, um, even though they had conceded a goal in that one. So um, I think Bournemouth... The the Norwich, Bournemouth, and West Ham defense to me are complete write offs, right? I would I wouldn't consider having a single player from from those three teams uh, defensively, and I would actually include Brighton in that as well. I mean, if I were wild carding, I would not have any Brighton players just up and down. Yeah, it's a tough one. I think that the bad teams in the league this season are sort of kind of all remarkably bad in their own unique ways. So it makes yeah. it a lot trickier. And it's amazing. I'm not a credit else... Brandon. We've got a lot of literary <laughs> references in this week's podcast. <laughs> I am looking at the table as well. And Southampton was a team that just like looked like among the worst in the league a month or so ago. And now they're up to ninth. So um, I just think I really, there are geez, a lot of cheap yeah. def- cheap defenders that we have been overlooking for a long time that are actually now already up into the mid-table. So I don't think you have to look that far down. It's insane that they're ninth, by the way. I did, <laughs> didn't realize they'd risen that high. That's like, They're like two wins away from staying up this year. That's, that's yeah, right? crazy. Wow. Um, yeah, so I guess the answer is uh, – I, in my experience, I don't find that to be a particularly reliable source of fantasy points. The relegation strugglers, uh, defensively or on the attack, they're just, as you said a minute ago, Brandon, they're just, they're they're bad teams, and you don't want to be overloaded in bad teams because they're unreliable. Um, you will find they have talismanic players, and they have people who are capable of, of doing very well. But in general, 
they're too unreliable. And it's not even necessarily about their talismanic players, it's about the players around them. This is why I mentioned that Jack Grealish could be on the chop block for me because I'm just not sure I'm confident they have anybody that he – like, are they going to get a forward this month? You know, like, are they just going to, like, try to stay up without a forward in their team, which is kind of crazy, right? Insane, yeah. It, it does seem insane. I haven't seen any further rumors there. Yeah, I don't know. Batshuayi was rumored for a minute, but it sounds like he's going to stay now. So, Especially now, I guess, with Tammy out. Uh, it sounds like it's probably um, – that's probably a guarantee. Game week 25, Brandon, kicks off on Saturday with – the speaking of Leicester and Chelsea uh, kicks off wow. uh, Saturday morning. That is a fun match mm-hmm. to kick off the game week. That is a super interesting, exciting match. Yeah, a hard one to predict as well. Two teams that have you know been really great at moments this season, and most recently have been struggling in in various ways. So I think it's it's a good test. Definitely one that's going to get me out of straight out of bed at seven thirty in the morning. Yeah, I likewise for sure. Um, yeah, I guess the uh, and the issue here is whether Vardy plays. And uh, what about James Madison? If you don't wild card, are you just are you just holding Madison indefinitely? It feels like that's is that starting to feel like a problem you have to get solved. He's, he's blanked a lot recently. <laughs> yeah, well, James Madison has suddenly become a different problem because with my two free transfers going into game week twenty four. It was Greenwood and Mane that I brought in for Jimenez and Madison. So Madison's ah, out. Madison's out. Okay. Yeah. Gotcha. But I'm with you. Like it was, I was getting really itchy with Madison. And, you know, the the types of FPL points that he gets are just the real, the ones that are tough to come by, the shots yeah. outside of the box and, right. and all of that. So um, I don't really, I don't dislike him as an FPL asset still, but he's a stressful one to hang on to. Yeah, seven blanks and eight. Um, it's uh, it makes it tricky for sure. And um, and even the one, I mean, it's really it's it's one goal and no assists and eight, which is uh, really below par uh, considering how strong he had been um, going into let's see game after game week sixteen, he was on five goals and five assists. Uh, we're eight weeks later and he only has six goals and five assists. So. Um, definitely um, a little a little disappointing there, but but you know, player I would definitely consider later on having in my team. But um, yeah, I think if I had him, especially with a difficult run coming up, um, I would. I, I think like Madison to Troyore would be really tempting. Uh, I mean, you know, Troyore is going to do something away to Man United, right? Like that just seems so uh, like just etch it in stone. Like it just feels like that is his Troyore will get an attacking return away <laughs> to Man United, Brandon. That is a Josh Landon guarantee. I feel like Troyore is not there yet. Like Troyore looks so much better than he has in any other season this season, but it's still not going to be magnetic. We all want to be friends with Adama Troyore every single game week. I think he can only do that one or two out of three game weeks. So um, okay. that's, that's my theory. Sound of the alarm bells. All right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'm trying to sow panic through the FPL community. <laughs> Uh, other matches that are that are worth talking about on Saturday, uh, Bournemouth Aston Villa. Uh, Grealish, it, it was too bad. He was actually really good in the Watford match, and it was a shame he didn't get any fantasy returns out of it. Um, although they, you know Aston Villa did get the win, um, I would I think there's a good chance he does something away to Bournemouth. I think that's uh, a reasonable expectation there. Um, yeah, Palace Bournemouth shit. are terrible. In Bournemouth, they're terrible, um, despite the, the their shellacking of Brighton last week. Um, Sheffield United, Crystal Palace, I think what's most interesting to me about this match is whether uh, John Lindstrom plays, and yeah. uh, which 
if you were to bet, what would you? I mean, yeah, what, if you if you were to put a percentage chance on him starting this weekend, what would you put it at? Um, that's a good question. Maybe forty eight percent. Yeah, yeah. The performance, as as you Unlikely. said, the performance that yeah. Mo Besage put in in the cut match just like further cements his getting into the first team, mm-hmm. getting into the starting eleven and. I don't think any promises have ever been made to John Lundstrom. So if he has to sit on the bench, John Lundstrom sits on the bench. <laughs> yeah. Just be happy to be in the Premier League, John. Uh, yeah. Y- yeah. Yeah. So we'll see what happens there. Uh, Liverpool, Southampton. Who knows about this one? We have to see how the midweek match goes and where we are with Mane. So there's kind of no point in talking about it too much. Um, yeah. It's kind of fun. Like well, a lot let, of- let, let us let us talk about it, though, because we have to sew okay. a captaincy discussion into this okay. preview a bit. Sure. And OK, so let's base this on the assumption that Mane is out. Does this fixture home and field? Mo Salah would probably be one of the top captaincy options for game week 25. Yeah, maybe the top captaincy yeah. option. Yeah. Um, I think uh, Aguero way to Spurs is a really appealing captain option as well. That's the one that um, that I would be really tempted by if I had uh, uh, if I had Aguero. I, in fact, I would go so far as to say that if, if I had Aguero in my team, I would captain him away to Spurs. Um, he he's always loved a Spurs match, and uh, sure. And, and Hugo Lloris yeah. is back, and Hugo Lloris is not exactly the greatest goalkeeper that ever would. <laughs> World Cup winning uh, yeah. uh, goalkeeper Hugo Lloris. So you heard the rumors that Kepa might be out now too. That Kepa's like he may I have see. like finally made one mistake too many. So it's very interesting. Uh, so Willie Caballero yeah. is going to possibly, be back in, possibly. In yeah. I mean, Kepa sucks. So you know, I'm, I'm <laughs> yeah. at me. It's, that's fine. He, I know Chelsea conceded a goal at the weekend. I don't know if Caballero was at fault at all. So. Um, yeah, and then uh, Man United Wolves. That is the that is the late fixture on Saturday. That is a really cool and interesting match, and one that I, um, I mean, I just like interesting clash. You know, I mean, are, will Wolves be favored to win this match? I think it's, it's possibility, <laughs> yeah. right? Yeah, certainly. Um, I mean, f- goal scoring Phil Jones. You know, he's got that confidence coursing through his um, <laughs> yeah his blubbery All veins. Their defenders. Now. Yeah, 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 right. Yeah, three defender goals today. Crazy. No, I would definitely put that one at a two-one Wolves victory. If that seems like a slam dunk. Yeah, I, th- I think that's probably about right. Uh, and then, yeah, a lot of uh, Saturday could be fun though because I think we'll see a lot of goals in these matches. I, there are a lot of bottom half of the table clashes. This does not feel like a. This feels like a famous last words thing for me to say, but this does not feel like a game week for clean sheets. I did not no. see a lot of clean sheets coming out of this one. No, not at all. Yeah, Timu Puki scoring against Newcastle. Maybe um, I don't know. It depends on Cantwell's glute. Um, so Sunday, uh, we've got two matches: Burnley Arsenal. I need to finally bring an Arsenal player in just 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 to like have. They've played so many Sunday matches this year, and I have I have had almost no Arsenal coverage the entire season, and uh, I, I just want like a you know this Arteta thing. I feel like I won't. I'm I'm. I think it's great. I'm glad he's there, but I feel like I can't fully embrace it until I have a player on Arsenal that I can like cheer with him. You know, um, I, I mean, they're defenders. Would you consider having an Arsenal defender? Was that even on your radar as a, as an option? No, no, it I'm wasn't. Saying. Um, I think the issue with them is I'm just pulling them up here on the 
stats stats page. Yeah, we were kind of excited that Hector Bellerin was back, but five point four as a punt on a defender. We kind of as we were going through defensive options in our fifteen picks. Yeah, you go really expensive with Liverpool, or there are a bunch of really you know exciting options that are you know five point oh and cheaper. I just don't see where a five point four defender yeah. fits into my thinking. Yeah, it's the pricing is just it's, it's too high. I, I agree. Um, so yeah, I mean, Aubameyang can be tempted. The Martinelli thing is really cool, but it's um, you know he's he's making the most of the opportunity right with Aubameyang out for for three matches, but. Uh, Aubameyang is back this weekend. And I think if you punted on Martinelli for a couple of weeks, that's congratulations. It worked out really well for you. Uh, but now I think that you've got three players for two spots. And even if Martinelli earns some starts, it's hard to know which ones those will be. And I think it's, it's just too risky. And maybe he ends up playing in some of those Europa League matches or something. And, um, I just don't really want to take a chance on him. Although, um, I guess if I, if I brought him in for those two game weeks, then sure. Like, keep him in there but they're a wild card and i don't think i'd bring him in because it just feels a little too uh too risky yep i'm with you i mean i'm still like fingers crossed that lacazette is able to pull it together but you know time is pretty much run out on lacazette maybe yeah as an arsenal player and i think Aubameyang is yeah. this is a moment in which if you're looking to spend with arsenal unfortunately you just have to buy into the yeah. surest bet and that's a bomb yang yeah i think the atomic clock is at eight seconds to midnight on uh on lacazette <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> uh spurs man city uh men, talked about aguero earlier i i do think he starts this match um you know kevin de bruyne is probably another really solid captain pick for this mm-hmm. for this fixture um yep. i mean I, I guess you could see Mourinho going like insanely negative in this match which he hasn't done too much so far, a little bit, maybe in that Liverpool match, but even that was, they had some chances at least. And um, I think even if you went insanely negative, I'm not sure they have the horses to, to keep out Man City anyway. Um, they start like the, you know, like that's like a mix of 18 year old players and center backs playing in yeah. the, you know, in the, in the, uh, in the left backs, you know, it, it just doesn't feel like it's uh, like a, cohesive unit you know so um I think there will always be a moment around the 85th minute in which toby alderwild makes a mistake because he is sick and tired of carrying the entire defense on his back um and yeah i think that's the story of spurs defenses it's just a lot of kind of like half measures and half-assed performances yeah yeah so yeah so enjoy this game week folks because after this it gets a little funny for a while we have the first ever holiday break uh, which takes place uh, the weekend after this game week uh, and that means we'll have five fixtures on the whatever that is the seventh and the eighth and then five fixtures uh, the following game week and so uh, it will create an interesting podcast challenge brand that we'll have to uh, figure out what we're yeah. doing so uh, but we'll, we'll you know we'll, we'll, we'll put something out there so uh, enjoy this weekend I mean, I recently saw Joker, so we could just talk about Joker for an entire podcast. I think everyone would love that. <laughs> did you like it? What did you think? Let's Should save it for the that? podcast. Let's save it for Let's the podcast. Save, <laughs> save it for the podcast. Exactly. Yeah. Um, God, I mean, looking at that winter break, you're like, well, I mean, in the blink of an eye, we're going to be we're going to be toward the end of the season. It's going to be it's going to be Christmas again before you know it, Josh. 
Yeah, I mean, <laughs> did you say Christmas again? Yeah, Christmas. My, my daughter wishes it was already. She asks about Christmas every <laughs> single day. So, yeah, right. they'll be here before right. you know it. Speaking of uh, seasons of giving, uh, we'll start the outro here with another shout out for our Patreon pod. If you want to support what Josh and I do every week on the Always Cheating Pod and get some stuff in return, like access to us via our Slack chat forum, an exclusive podcast every week and other swag, Visit patreon.com slash always cheating. And uh, let's just thank our producers while we're talking about Patreon, Josh. Yeah, that sounds good. And yeah, Brandon, one thing that producers get to do is they get to pick the topic for an always cheating Patreon podcast. Um, we actually got one this week from Victor Forberg Skogging that we're going to do on an upcoming podcast. But um, so, yeah, thank you to Mike, uh, Trevor Anderson, Mike DePietro, Brian T., DeBig Gaffer, Babas Kuhn, Jeff Husby, Ben Grant, James Holland, Jazz Bitten, Dave Wagner Lodal, Nick Wright. Jim Payne, Chris Howell, Andy Penn, Brian Chin, Brian Jacobson, Frederick Keen, Gransky, Travis West, Alan Creasy, Victor Farberg, Skogang, Paul Herzig, Kaya Kirsting, Leleng, Stian Niehaus, Chris Carter, Martin Savage, Barry McGuire, Peter Podictel, Andy Portlock, Toothless Given, Andy Martin, Lindsay Rostel, Anton Markoff, FPLmerch.com, and James Conroy. Excellent. Rate, review, subscribe to Always Cheating on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, Acast, wherever you listen to your podcast. Follow us on Twitter at Hail Cheaters, Instagram at Hail Cheaters, Facebook.com slash Always Cheating, or send us an email, HailCheaters at gmail.com, all this and more. Plus, the Always Cheating shop is available at alwayscheating.com. Joshua, there's one more match to go in Game Week 24. Save our souls, FPL Towers. <laughs> yeah, tell us. I want a clean bill of health for Monday on Monday. That's that would be an early Christmas present. Speaking of Christmas, Brandon, enjoy the week. Uh, yeah, we'll see how much I enjoy this week, and uh, I'll see you. Uh, I'll see you on Friday. I'll see right you on. Yes, in, we'll in person on Friday. Uh, I will. They will see you on podcast form on Sunday. See you. <laughs> <laughs> I'll see you then, Josh. Poku forever. Bye. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.